Let's face it, money matters can be confusing. And with something as important as having enough for retirement, it's comforting to know help is just a phone call away. Wealth Managers LLC has helped clients pursue their financial goals since 1984. When it comes to investment advice, experience matters. If you need financial guidance, the folks at Wealth Managers LLC can help. The number is 800-497-9995. Once again, that's 800-497-9995 or wealthmanagersllc.com. After all, money doesn't take care of itself. Securities and advisory services offered through registered representatives of Satira Advisor Network, LLC. Member FINRA and SIPC. Wealth Managers, LLC is independent of Satira Advisor Networks, LLC. The following show, How to Be a Great Investor with your host, Richard Everett, is underwritten by Wealth Managers, LLC. The New York Stock Exchange actually started back in May 17th of 1792. Stocks have been the best performing asset class in the United States. You can make a lot of money in the great years, and you can lose a lot of money in the bad years. Anyone that wants to invest in the stock market should be keenly aware of the extreme volatility. Your success or failure in the stock market is directly proportioned to the price you pay for your investment or for your stock. Hope is not an investment strategy. Good investors know that stock market declines are inevitable, and they see them as buying opportunities. Investing in stocks is not a short-term endeavor. And never forget, the stock market giveth, and the stock market taketh away. Today's show is on stocks and stock investing in the stock market. Welcome to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Richard started his career in the financial services industry back in 1984. He's the founder and past president of the Everett Financial Group. Richard was also a member of the International Association of Financial Planners and was named Financial Planner of the Year in 1996 by First Financial Planners. In addition to teaching hundreds of seminars, he's hosted his own radio and television shows and has authored several books on finance, including Whatever Happened to the Promised Land. Richard has taught his biblically-based financial principles in churches, conferences, Bible colleges, and universities, including Yale University's School of Management Believers in Business Conference. And now, How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Welcome. I'm Richard Everett, your host of How to Be a Great Investor. My goal is to teach you the art of investing through biblical wisdom and contemporary investment insight. And I have some great news for you. I'm retired. I don't have any products to sell, agenda to push, just common sense principles I have learned over my 30-year career in finance. No hype, just facts. I always like to start our show off with a story from the Bible that illustrates how our God is in the multiplication business. Today I'm reading from 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story. It's about Hannah and Samuel. Um, To give you a a brief summary of the story, uh, Hannah was barren. She couldn't have children, and she would go and pray in the temple on a regular basis and ask God to bless her with a child. And um, this one particular evening she went in, Eli the priest saw her um, 
there praying, and she said, what do you need? What, what do you want? And Hannah replied, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I was pouring out my soul before the Lord. She was praying for a child. The good news is, if you read the whole story, it's, the Bible goes on to say, so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And many of you will know that later on, after the child grew a little bit, she actually took him to Eli and dedicated him to the Lord and left him there. The scripture says in verse 22, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. Again, what a great story. But it doesn't end there, folks. The punchline of the story is in chapter 2 and verse uh, 21 and says, And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. She couldn't have children. She prayed for a child. God granted her her prayer, and she rededicated the answer to that prayer back to the Lord and and dedicated him uh, for full-time service for the Lord. Because she did that, God was able to multiply what she had. She ended up with six children, not just the one child. So again, my point is that our God is in the multiplication business. Today's show is on stocks and stock investing in the stock market. But first, a uh, very brief history lesson on the stock market. Uh, The New York Stock Exchange actually started back in May 17th of 1792 when 24 stockbrokers formed uh, the very first exchange in the United States because uh, our economy was growing so rapidly. It's interesting that these two dozen financiers uh, signed the agreement on a street that would later become known as Wall Street. Over the long run, stocks have been the best performing asset class in the United States. Uh, You can make a lot of money in the great years, and you can lose a lot of money in the bad years. Just to give you an example, if you look historically at the returns of the Dow Jones Industrial Average over the last 100 years or so, you'll see that the index or the market was up as much as 50% in any one year. But in the same token, the market is down or has been down 50% in any one given year. So Anyone that wants to invest in the stock market should be keenly aware of the extreme volatility. Um, You certainly can make a lot of money, but on the other hand, you certainly could lose a lot of money. As Warren Buffett is quoted as saying, the market, like the Lord, helps those who help themselves. But he went on to say, but unlike the Lord, the market does not forgive those who know not what they do. So my warning to you is to enter the investment arena with caution. I can definitely tell you what's going to happen in the future of the stock market. It's either going to go up, it's going to go down, or it's going to go sideways. It is going to be, over time, somewhat volatile. Now, if you can figure out when any of those events are going to happen, you probably can make a lot of money in the stock market. We'll be back with more How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. To get your free copy of Richard's informative report, The 20 Most Common Mistakes Retirees Make and How to Avoid Them, visit greatinvestor.org. Your copy of this informative report, The 20 Most Common Mistakes Retirees Make and How to Avoid Them, is absolutely free with no obligation. It's full of great information that can help you in your retirement. And if you have specific questions for Richard, you can email him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's G-R-E-A-T-I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R 
www.howtobeagreatinvestor.org. You're listening to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. So first, let's talk about what is a stock. Well, a stock is a share representing ownership in a corporation. Uh, if you buy a stock in a publicly traded company, you become a shareholder. And as such, you're part owner of the company and you have a claim to the proportionate share of the corporation's asset and earnings. Uh, for example, say a company has 100,000 shares outstanding and you purchase 1,000 shares. Well, you now own 1% of that company. You can own a fraction of some of the greatest companies in the world by buying stocks in them. And you should know that stocks are normally categorized as either growth or value stocks. Growth stocks, for example, are expected to have above average increase in revenue, in earnings, and business expansion. Uh, they grow at a fairly rapid rate, implying increased profits will follow at some point in time. A couple of examples of growth stocks in today's day and age would be Amazon or Netflix. But besides growth stocks, there's also value stocks. Value stocks, on the other hand, are perceived to trade at a price below their value, or basically they're on sale. Value stocks are typically considered to be less risky than growth stocks. Here's our first investment principle, folks. Your success or failure in the stock market is directly proportioned to the price you pay for your investment or for your stock. If you overpay for your stock, it might take years for you to make a profit. If you buy your stock on sale, however, at a deep discount, you have potentially less downside risk and more upside probability. Take a look at Yahoo shares uh, going back uh, a number of years ago. If you bought Yahoo in January of 2000, you paid a hefty $237 per share. 15 months later, Yahoo was trading at $11. That's a 95% decline. Anyone that owned Yahoo at $237 a share not only lost their shirt, but they lost a lot of money. In that case, it could take a couple lifetimes for an investor to break even. If, on the other hand, you purchased Yahoo when it was trading at $11 a share, you would have made a 600% gain in less than five years. Folks, you need to get this. It's the same stock, but it's the price the investor paid. If you pay $237 a share, you lost your shirt. If you paid $11 a share, you made a bundle. Putting it another way, buying securities or stocks at extraordinarily high prices, like my example, is basically economic suicide. All right. Uh, before we get into how I approach investing, let's talk about dividends first. A dividend is a distribution of a portion of a company's earnings decided upon by the board of directors, and it's paid to the shareholders typically quarterly or annually. Uh, receiving dividends is one of the ways an investor makes money. Bottom line, a dividend is your share in the proportionate share of the profits of the company. I think dividends personally are very, very attractive. Uh, I'm retired and uh, I need income, and most folks that are retired need income, and dividends are a great way to receive that nice quarterly check. Here's why I think dividends are so important. First of all, a recent study showed that over the past several decades, 42% of the annual total return of the Standard & Poor's 500 was derived from dividends. 
I hope you get the implication of that. 42% of the gain of the Standard & Poor's over the last several decades just came from dividends alone. So if you bought growth-orientated stocks that don't pay dividends, you potentially missed out on 42% of the gain in the overall stock market. According to that same research, dividend-paying stocks outperformed non-dividend-paying stocks over the past 40 years by a total of 6% per year. And with lower risk. And in my opinion, that's a big deal. I have a great story to tell. A gentleman approached me uh, for investment advice in the latter part of 2009. At that time, he had $1.2 million in his retirement portfolio, made up mostly of individual growth stocks and mutual funds, uh, which generally do not pay dividends. Prior to the so-called Great Recession and the stock market meltdown of 2007 through 2009, his investment account was worth $2 million. Not only had he lost his shirt, but he also lost $800,000 during that period of time. One of the reasons for the 40% decline in his retirement portfolio was that he was forced to sell individual shares in order to supplement his income. He needed about $60,000 a year, but instead of living off the dividends or the income in the portfolio, he was forced to sell his shares at a discounted or substantially discounted price. To say the least, he was in trouble. Imagine working your entire lifetime to accumulate a good-sized nest egg only to lose 30, 40, or even 50% of his life savings in just a couple of years. Fortunately, I was able to help him. I was able to guide him back uh, to solvency, and the way I did that was I encouraged him to sell all of his growth-orientated investments and purchased income-producing investments. By doing so, he was able to get his $60,000 a year, and he was able to recover that lost money in a very short period of time because he didn't have to sell any more shares. He was allowing his portfolio to sit and grow and just living off, uh, off of his portfolio. He became my new best friend. You're listening to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. We'll be back in just a moment. To get your free copy of Richard's informative report, The 20 Most Common Mistakes Retirees Make and How to Avoid Them, visit greatinvestor.org. Your copy of this informative report, The 20 Most Common Mistakes Retirees Make and How to Avoid Them, is absolutely free with no obligation. It's full of great information that can help you in your retirement. And if you have specific questions for Richard, you can email him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's G-R-E-A-T-I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R dot org. And now back to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. So here's six additional reasons why I favor dividend-paying stocks. Number one, companies that increase their dividends signal confidence in their future. That makes sense. Number two, buying dividend-growing stocks helps us helps as an inflation hedge. Dividends are less taxing. Most folks don't realize you pay a lower tax rate on dividends than you do ordinary income. Also, dividend-paying companies generally represent mature, stable businesses. That makes sense. They're making lots of money and they're paying it out to their shareholders. Dividend-paying stocks provide steady cash flow. Then finally, they have relatively solid profits. Otherwise, they wouldn't be paying a dividend. All right. So let's move on and let's talk about how I 
invest my money and how I can help you become a great investor. First of all, I use a checklist or a filter when I narrow down my stock picks. I stay focused and disciplined. If the stock doesn't meet my criterion, I don't buy it under any circumstances. So here's why using an investment checklist is important. As investing gets more and more complicated over time, unsophisticated and undereducated stock pickers are especially disadvantaged by their complexity. The more choices there are, and currently is about 50,000 stocks traded worldwide, the more confusing things will get. I think you'll agree with that. That's why it is as important as ever to make enlightened, well-educated choices when investing in stocks. So, if you want to become a more efficient investor, save time, money, and energy by reducing your mistakes, you'll want to use a checklist. And so, what I'm going to do now is give you some of the things that I look for when I invest in stocks. Any company I buy must have earnings. It has to be making money in order for me to risk my capital in buying a stock. The second thing is I only buy stocks that pay dividends, as we've already discussed. Number three is the dividend payout must be less than 50% of the company's earnings. I want you to think about that for a second. If a company is paying out 100% of its earnings, how long is that going company going to last? It's eventually going to run out of money. Number four, I look for companies who have increased their dividends or have paid out a special dividend uh, over um, the last few months or so. And the reason why is any company that has recently increased its dividends has to be pretty optimistic about its future. Number five is I do not, under any circumstances, buy stocks trading under $5 a share. The SEC or the Securities and Exchange Commission considers that to be a penny stock. And, uh, of course, there's a big joke on Wall Street is how do you make a million dollars in penny stocks? And the answer is you start with two million. Penny stocks are extremely risky, and I stay away from them. Number six is I look for stocks that insiders are buying. If a CEO or a CFO is buying shares of the company they work for, that's a pretty good indication that they have a tremendous amount of faith in the future of the company. And in all likelihood, they're buying them because they feel the shares are cheap. So that's a good signal. Several studies have shown that if you buy companies that insiders are buying their own shares, you actually have a 7% per year advantage over companies uh, where insiders are not buying their stock. And the number seven, along the same lines, you, we look for companies or I look for companies that are buying back their own shares. A number of studies have shown that buyback stocks can perform better over time and outperform the market. Finally, my last filter is I look for companies that have low PEs or price-to-earnings ratios. The lower the PE, the more attractive a company is as long as they're making money, paying a dividends, and some of the other things that I had just mentioned. All the information that you need to make those determinations, you can actually find on Yahoo Finance for free. Just type in the ticker symbol and you know, in the next few pages that pop up, we'll be able to tell you if the company that you're looking at meets those criteria. Now, a very important question. Who should invest in stocks? And the answer is it depends. It depends on many factors. For example, good investors need to know why they are investing. Is it for growth? Is it for income? Is it for growth and income? Is it for preservation of capital? How long will you be investing? What's your time horizon? Is it for one year, three years, 10 years, a lifetime? 
Another question that all investors should ask themselves is, are you able to withstand market declines of 20%, 30%, or even more? As an investor, you must know thyself before putting your hard-earned money into the stock market. Will you bail out if the market plummets? Investing in the stock market is not for everyone, folks. To be a good investor, you must, and I will repeat this, to be a good investor, you must remove emotion from the equation. So good investors know that stock market declines are inevitable, and they see them as buying opportunities. Take one of the credit reporting agencies, for example. You may recall a massive data breach in 2017. It was estimated that as many as 150 million consumers have been affected. As you might imagine, this had an adverse effect on the stock price. In fact, the share price went from $140 a share before the bad news hit to $93 a share after it was made public. And that was just in a couple of weeks. If you had recognized this as a buying opportunity, as I did, you could have made $25 a share in just eight weeks. That's a 25% gain, folks, in just two months. Goes back to the old adage, buy low, sell high. Not only am I a value investor, but I'm also an opportunist. I have made money on several such trades in my career. As Warren Buffett has said, the best thing that happens to us is when a great company gets into temporary trouble. We want to buy them when they're on the operating table. I've used that advice often in my career. Stay tuned for more great information on how to be a great investor with Richard Everett. To get your free copy of Richard's informative report, The 20 Most Common Mistakes Retirees Make and How to Avoid Them, visit greatinvestor.org. Your copy of this informative report, The 20 Most Common Mistakes Retirees Make and How to Avoid Them, is absolutely free with no obligation. It's full of great information that can help you in your retirement. And if you have specific questions for Richard, you can email him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's G-R-E-A-T-I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R dot org. And now back to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to How to Be a Great Investor. Before we get back into the show, I just wanted to share with you a, a couple of books I wrote not too long ago. One is called Whatever Happened to the Promised Land? Reclaiming God's Promised Blessings. Um, terrific book. It was endorsed by Luis Palau, a friend of mine. And uh, he says that the book is packed with practical insights. And I do believe that to be true. I also wrote a second book called How to Be a Great Investor. And you can find both of those on my website, greatinvestor.org. Um, both uh, will help you uh, with your finances and both will help you how to be a great investor. I have a few more valuable tips and techniques to share with you. I'm often asked if, as an investor, you should invest in IPOs or initial public offerings. And I would just say, give you the quick answer and say that most of the data indicates that buying IPOs is a great way to lose money. Now, certainly there's been a few exceptions over the years, but for the most part, IPOs are trading substantially lower in a year or two after the initial offering. Secondly, stocks that perform poorly over the last three to five years tend to significantly outperform those that have done well over the previous three to five years. In other words, if you're buying at a discount, you're more likely to make money uh, in the future. And thirdly, hope is not an investment strategy. The stock market could care less what you think, how you feel, 
You can't just buy a stock because the plumber mentioned it in passing and then hope it doesn't go down the drain. The market has no idea what I'm hoping for, what I'm thinking or feeling. You need to make a sound investment decision and live with the consequences, good or bad. Here's another reality check. It's impossible not to lose money in the stock market. No one bats a thousand. Even the best money managers make mistakes. You don't want to beat yourself up just because a investment choice didn't work out. The only guy I know that never had a down year was Bernie Madoff. And of course, he's in jail now. Now, a lot of my students ask me, okay, Rich, you've provided us with a checklist and some basics on how to pick a good stock and how to invest for the long term. But when should I sell? And actually, that's a tremendous question. I have five sell signals from one of Peter Lynch's books. When a company changes their name, they may be trying to hide something. When a company lowers or suspends its dividend payments, more than likely, there's more bad news. When the chief executive, CEO, or the chief financial officer quits or resigns abruptly, something bad is probably going on behind the scenes, and I'm reminded of Enron and that history. If the stock you own is removed from the S&P 500 index, there's a reason why, number one, and number two is going to be an enormous amount of selling pressure on those shares. So get out in a hurry. And when there is really bad news, remember the cockroach theory. There's always more than one. My advice on selling is pretty simple and straightforward. If the stock that you purchased no longer meets the criteria on your checklist that I just gave you, then simply sell it. Here's a final thought or two. If you're going to invest in the stock market, make sure you do so for at least five to 10 years. Investing in stocks is not a short-term endeavor. It's actually, if you're going to be investing in the stock market for the short term, it's speculation. It's also called gambling. And never forget, the stock market giveth and the stock market taketh away. You must be diligent about your holdings. I'm often asked for investment tips in social settings. Folks want to know what the next hot stock is going to be. And I almost always give the same answer. My predicting powers are limited, but... I would suggest that you invest in Irish stocks. Irish stocks? They respond in astonishment. Why Irish stocks? Well, my answer is simple. It's the only place on the planet where the capital is Dublin. All kidding aside, I've been to Ireland. It's a beautiful country. The lush, green, rolling hills dotted with sheep is breathtaking. Sheep are everywhere. It's estimated, actually, that Ireland has about three and a half million sheep. Of course, no one knows for sure, since every time someone tries to count them, they fall asleep. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget, our God is in the multiplication business. May God bless you and keep you, and may God bless America. Remember, folks, money doesn't take care of itself. This has been How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. To get your free copy of Richard's informative report, The 20 Most Common Mistakes Retirees Make and How to Avoid Them, visit greatinvestor.org. Your copy of this informative report, The 20 Most Common Mistakes Retirees Make and How to Avoid Them, is absolutely free with no obligation. It's full of great information that can help you in your retirement. And if you have specific questions for Richard, you can email him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's G-R-E-A-T I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R dot org. Harriet, did you see my social security check in today's mail? Yes, I did, Ozzy. How are we supposed to live on that? I don't think we can. 
Maybe you'll need to get a job. Very funny. Maybe you can get another wife. All kidding aside, what should we do? Well, why don't we call the professionals at Wealth Managers LLC? I hear they help people with retirement planning. It's important to get good advice. Great idea, Harriet. It's never too late to start planning. I happen to have their number right here. It's 800-497-9995. Securities and advisory services offered through registered representatives of Satir Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Wealth Managers, LLC is independent of Satir Advisor Networks, LLC, and can be reached at 800-497-9995 or wealthmanagersllc.com.